name is Maddie. And I'm Hannah. We are Murder Mystery Bookworms and aspiring amateur sleuths. We are reading Partners in Crime and over last year we have gone on 16 book-based adventures. Now we want to investigate a real-life case using advice from murder mystery authors with the help of our feline sidekicks, Hercule and Hastings. We will review a book, find sleuthing tips and hopefully solve the case. Welcome to the unsolved case of the missing salmon. The book club for amateur sleuths. Hello, hi Maddie. Hello, how are you? I'm okay. Well, I've actually got some news related to mystery. Tell me more. I will tell you more. So (laughs) I received a very exciting parcel in the post. Right. And it was from the Royal Mint. I don't actually know what that means. The Royal Mint. If people say it, like, I, it's one of those things <laughs> I always just nod along with and go, oh, right, cool. I don't know who they are. Oh, the Royal Mint are the people who make all of our money. They make the money. It's the money-making machine. That's really embarrassing. I don't know that. Well, no, no, but now you're actually asking me. But I'm fairly sure that the Royal Mint is the factory where the money is actually made. So where they make the coins and where they make the notes. Right. Well, this is where I'm confused because I thought they were made at the bank. Not as in like bank branches like Halifax on the high street. (laughs) If you go to like the Bank of England... Bank of England's in Moorgate, isn't it? They're not going to have space there to, like, <laughs> to make the money. It's okay, I've consulted the internet. So the Royal Mint is basically the government-owned factory that produces coins for the United Kingdom. Okay. So okay, so I should come back to, to come back to the mystery point. Yeah, sorry. We've solved, we've solved the mystery of what is hmm. the Royal Mint. I've got a parcel yeah. from the Royal Mint. <laughs> They didn't send it to me, but my dad purchased something from the Royal Mint. And it is an Agatha Christie £2 commemorative coin. Oh my God. And I mean, it is amazing. So the reason they're doing it is because it's been 100 years of mystery. So they've released them to celebrate 100 years of Agatha Christie. Oh, you mean Agatha Christie mystery? Not just like 100 years of everyone being (laughs) quite concerned, confused. Yeah, no, of Agatha Christie mystery. I I mean, I would suggest that mystery itself has probably been around since since humans were on the planet. But now 100 years of Agatha Christie. And I mean, the coin is... It's amazing. So it's got like a jigsaw piece with a question mark on it. It's got a gun. It's got a pen. It's got a um, like a knife and it's got a bottle of poison and huh. it's got Axe's signature. But it's like a Cluedo yeah. board but on a coin. It is much like a Cluedo board. Then the other thing I like is it comes with a little booklet mm. about Agatha Christie 100 years and in the booklet there is a code <gasps> there's a secret code which obviously i worked out pretty quickly of course next time i see you i'll show i'll show it to you you can see great you can, that is you can delightful work out 
the code. Oh, the pressure will be on, of course. I feel I'll feel foolish if I can't get it. I think I think you will. But it also has a wonderful quote from Hercule Poirot himself, oh, which on. I think might be quite helpful for us as amateur sleuths to remember. It is in the little grey cells of the brain lies the solution of every mystery oh he's so right I, i'm surprised you didn't do the accent there i don't know I, I don't i don't want to do the accent and and offend offend anyone who is who is from belgium so, or in, or indeed david suchet himself no indeed oh god i'd love to meet david do you think he'll ever listen to this podcast and be like oh I'll, well, you know, I'll pop down and meet you at your at your houses i don't know i don't know that he would be <laughs> i don't know why this is the thing that i'm about to say oh, i was gonna say is not oh of course david suche will never come on the podcast what i was gonna say is I, I don't think that he'll be able to meet us because that might, you know, put put him at risk. I was about to say, but he might he might be able to dial in. Yeah, so <laughs> David, if you're listening, there's an offer there. Dial in. You don't have to go and meet us, but you just have to dial in soon. About the book. <laughs> yeah, we should do that. Let's talk about the book. Okay, so Hannah, you obviously picked this week's book. Would you like to introduce the book? Give us a bit of a, uh, let's say a summary of what happens to, to get us started. Uh, I would love to do that. Okay, so the book is called Murder Underground by Mavis Dor- Dorel or Doriel Hay. And what happens in this book is a wonderfully named Miss Pongleton, great name, <laughs> is found murdered on the stairs at Belsize Park Station. And it turns out that she has been strangled with a dog leash. And she has been living in like a hotel. She's sort of like a long-term resident um, of the hotel. So the investigation centres around the other people who are staying at at the hotel and she miss pink pongleton as a victim is very wealthy she's got a lot of money no one really liked her and the prime suspect in the case is her nephew basil pongleton um (laughs) because he hasn't really got any money he was he was sort of around the area when miss pongleton was killed but it transpires that it was not Basil. It was somebody else who I imagine we will talk about in, I think we will. in, due, in due course. And it is a golden age. It's from the golden age. Era. It sure is. It's got that vibe, hasn't it? It really has. And she published, she only published three novels, uh, Mavis, in the 1930s. 30s yeah so that's a bit a bit about the book would you like to hear about why I chose it I would love to ask that's my next question why did you choose this book Hannah I chose this book because I have not been on the tube since February so so actually when I saw that there was a book that was called Murder Underground. I actually thought, do you know what? I'd quite like to read about the tube. I'd like to remember what the tube was like. <laughs> Oddly, I was like, yeah, reading reading about the underground at the moment, it's going to feel sort of quite nostalgic. Yeah, like, I like you that. know, 
a pre a pre-virus age yeah that's um, a nice way of thinking about it as well yeah so that's one of the reasons that i chose it the other reason i chose it is because i like the i like the name mavis and i don't think it's a name that you hear very often now no i think you're absolutely right yeah. but i actually think it's very nice <laughs> it's very fetching <laughs> as the name i really like it as well under yeah. underappreciated yeah i mean i think I would say generally names excellent. Not only the name Navis, Mavis, author, <laughs> but also the fact that the victim is called Miss Pongleton. Yes, and Pongle affectionately, affectionately known as Pongle, which I quite like. Pongle, brilliant. Also, thank you for choosing another one of our very pleasing covers. So, with me and oh. Hannah working our way through the British Library crime classics. This is our second one, I think, and they're just so visually pleasing. I really like them. They've got a nice feel, nice print. So thanks for choosing one of those. You're welcome. What would you say were your initial thoughts? I launched straight in, didn't it? There was no messing around. Absolutely. Uh, You know, Miss, Miss Pongleton set off in the morning, and then before you know it, she, you know, she'd been killed. So... Yeah, she did was... not see that coming, did she, El Pongle? That, yeah, that that I quite liked. That there was, there was no, there was no messing around. Um, I thought there was some wonderful characters actually in the people who lived in the hotel. I particularly liked Mrs. Damer, who was sort of the, like, uh, she was like an artist who was living in the hotel and she got involved with investigating what had happened to Miss Pongleton. And she very much reminded me of Ariadne Oliver. Yes, I'm glad you said that. Couldn't agree more. She's just so up for the challenge, wasn't she? She's quite excited about it. Yeah, yeah. And she, and, and she, I mean, she didn't need to be involved at all. It made me suspect this. her a little bit because I thought, what are you doing? You've got no need, mm. no need to be involved here. There must be some sort of ulterior motive. But quickly thought, mm-hmm, no, this is what I would do. She's just having a fab time. Basil Pongleton, who was the main, main suspect, just was oh. very annoying such a limp fish wasn't he a limp fish he was indeed a limp fish i understood it that he had he sort of had a mistress or there was a woman he had paid to go to the cinema with and possibly more i think was alluded to yeah and he's also got a fiance beryl yeah yeah but he's being and the thing that really annoyed me about about him was that he basically just continually used people to make him to get him out of sticky situations yeah. so even though he hadn't killed her he hadn't killed pongle he still he still basically forced beryl into like messing with the, the investigation and putting herself yeah at, i just think it's really selfish on a second, wasn't Beryl his cousin? Oh, which one's the girlfriend? Not Beryl. Betty. Betty. Beryl was the cousin, you're right. Yeah, but he did he did make Beryl cover for him as well, didn't he? Yeah, when she finds she finds that he or she sees him. She sees him in the mirror and he's he's walking away with something that he's taken out of Pongo's room. Oh, the pearls. He'd taken some of her pearls, oh. hadn't he, to go and um, pawn for money. Yeah. Because he spent all his money. Yeah, I mean to use it's a, a word pathetic. from from the book. 
I just think basil was a noodle. A noodle. <laughs> great. I've also noodle. just come across in my flicking through uh, another great name, Mrs. Waddylove. Mrs. Waddylove, yeah. Okay. So she was Basil's landlady, who, again, he quite cruelly gave, like, another nickname, didn't he? <laughs> so like, mean to oh, her. Oh, yeah, he, he changed Waddylove to Waddle Toes. <laughs> It's so mean. Oh, yeah, I just like Basil quite massively. We're just going to do a shout out for another excellent name. Oh, go on. Name of, name of the dentist, Mr. Crampet. Mr. Crampet. I don't remember him. Quite minor. Mr. Because, you know, she was on, uh, Miss Pongleton was on the way to the dentist. Oh, um, yeah. She was, she was killed, yeah. What I don't understand is why so many of these people live at the hotel. Why are there so many people living <laughs> at this, what sounds quite a shabby hotel? Whereas Pongle had loads of money. Otherwise, this wouldn't have been an issue. This wouldn't have happened. But it sounded like it wasn't a particularly good hotel. But I don't know. I get sort of the sense that that was more of a like a thing. Well, people just living, living in them. Yeah. If you couldn't afford your own house, that you might just sort of live long term in, in a hotel. And that perhaps like the word hotel makes it sound a bit grander mm. than it is. Okay, yeah, perhaps fair. more like living in like a hostel. Yeah, okay, fine. What's your overall response to it? Well, I loved it. Okay, so there are several things about this book that I really enjoyed. Okay, go for it. Number one, I like most books that have some sort of um, like setting within London that I know. Because you read it and you think, oh, I can sort of imagine it. Similar to what you said about the um, the tube. For me, it's partly the, yes, of, you know, that knowing that area, but also... There's something very specific about, um, in film and TV and book, I think, about the way that London is depicted, which I find quite, quite satisfying. So I really like mm. that. I was also delighted upon opening it before the book's even begun. There's a map. And I oh, love yeah. any, any story, particularly a murder mystery that has either a map or some other visual, <laughs> visual support. Um, <laughs> partly because... I am a visual learner and it helps me to think about it. And partly because I like to flip back and picture little things about it. So I like anything that has either a map or a family tree, big fan of a family tree. So I was delighted about that um, before it even begun. And then the other thing that I loved again, before even starting it was looking at the names of the chapters because they are ridiculous. For example, chapter two is just called the frumps. <laughs> chapter 12, hunt the pearls, exclamation mark. <laughs> Chapter 19. Is that 19? Yeah, chapter Conspiracy. 19. Conspiracy! Exclamation mark. So yeah. yeah, comments by the frumps, chapter 23. I just, I just find them really, really pleasing. <laughs> and I just found it so pleasing, the whole thing. It was very, it was pacey. I thought the characterization was so clear. Because I don't know about you, but with sometimes, particularly with books where you've got like a finite list of people who could be it, there are too many characters and they're all too similar that I can never figure out who the hell is who and then it's over. Whereas with this, I knew everybody quite quickly. And I also quite liked how quickly it turned out to be quite a sort of, almost sort of psychopathic murder at the end which I felt was quite like, it was, it was a very sort of gentle book. And then suddenly at the end, it was like, oh no, he's actually a bit of a psycho, which is why yeah. he has this sort of horrible streak within him. So it was yeah, a very yeah. surprising ending, which again, I, I found very, very exciting. So all in all, this has been one of my favourite reads of our wow. experiences. Yeah. Oh, it's a, yeah, it's a big claim, claim big to claim. fame. And a plea yeah. for more diagrams. 
<laughs> where possible. <laughs> I know it's not one you normally find out before you buy it, but if we know that it's in there, I'll get it. Yeah. Yeah, no, there was, you're right, there was sort of a twist, wasn't there, in that um, it it was sort of felt like it was setting up to be a member of her family who had killed mm. her um, for money, but then it was actually this, uh, yeah, uh, kind of psychopathic... Yeah. Mr. Mr. Slocum, um, who had killed someone in his past and changed his name, hadn't he, to something avoid, really similar for detection. Yeah. He was called yeah, something, something really similar like Slocum or something. <laughs> yeah, and no one realised. Oh yeah. no, maybe it was actually maybe it was Slocum, but he just spelled it differently. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, because there was Oh, I found it. It's Jonah Socum was what he changed it from. Joseph Slocum from Jonah Socum. I mean it's not not a million miles off biggest change is it no but i actually am delighted to say although i didn't suspect about the kind of psychopathic (laughs) tendencies i did think it was him for quite some time which i'm pleased about it doesn't why did you think it was him because well basil is just obviously i think just too obvious (laughs) it was too obvious and too limp and then there was jerry jerry was there at the scene but I thought Jerry was just too pure <laughs> to be suspected, mm. too innocent and too earnest, which meant that it had to be somebody, I think, that lived in the hotel with her. Mm. And yeah. he was the only one that I knew had a connection to her, mm. but it wasn't sort of like tied up in this kind of like family thing about the money. It just seemed that seemed like there was too much emphasis going on about the family and the money that it, he seemed like the only other possible option. I thought it was just thought it was a bit shifty as well. Bit shifty. He did bit seem shifty. a bit shifty. A little bit shifty. I just sort of thought, um, what are you doing here? You've got nothing else to bring. You're bringing nothing else to the party. True, true, yeah. And that it was perhaps all of the, the situation with the family. And also, doesn't Basil confess to herring. him what happens? Like, Basil confesses to him, this is very what happened. Early on. Very early on. Which I did think at the time, he's going to use this against him. Like this was an mm. this was an error, Basil. So I had a bit of an inkling from very early when Basil confesses that he saw her dead, but he didn't do it. I just thought that was a bit of a rookie error. And then um, yeah, and then he he proceeded to bring nothing. Mm, true, yeah. I don't know that I enjoyed it quite as much as you did, and that was me. I don't know if that was perhaps Basil was so annoying as a character, but I did. I did love how Mrs. Damer and Jerry were just like, "Yeah, we're just going to go and do our own investigation. We're going to sort gonna this tell out. Anyone. We're yeah. going to sort this out. We're going to go and do some interviews." I particularly um, loved it because they're such an unlikely pair. So Jerry is yeah. quite young. I got the impression of quite suave, perhaps. Yes, that's uh, yes. quite attractive young man. And Mrs. Damer is like middle-aged, quite frumpy. Um, and I think they get seen together as well. And everyone's like a bit confused about their connection to each other. Quite rightly. Yeah. Um, so I sort of thought that was very pleasing. They sort of defy those expectations. What advice or tips do you think we can take from Murder Underground for our own investigation? Right. I, I, mean, have... I mean, I'm thinking map. Maybe I should get a map. Visual, visual prompts. A visual prompt for the case. Yeah. A timeline, perhaps. They do a timeline in there. A timeline, that is true. Although the timeline that they do in the book is actually the guilty party so that he can make sure he's not caught. But I think it would be helpful anyway. Timeline, yeah, definitely. Um, This is more of a, a tip for 
the other people involved, not us. Be honest. Tell the truth about your what happened. Because Basil obviously gets so caught up in, in lying about what happened that it actually takes way longer for the police to figure out who it was because he doesn't want people to know that he saw the dead body because that incriminates him. But actually, he had nothing to hide other than the fact that he tried to cover it up. What else? Well, I think, I mean, I think that is, is three, three helpful tips. You know, a map of the, the crime scene, if you will. Yeah. Um, a, t- a timeline of what happened. I can actually tell you I do have a timeline already. So. Do you now? Okay. I do. Are I we going to talk about that in the case notes? Yeah, we can do. And be, be honest. But that's more like to anyone who we interview and who witnesses. They might listen to this. They might do. In advance. They might, they might listen to it beforehand. Should we give a score? Let's. I've just got the little blue book to record this moment. After three? Yeah. One, two... Three. Ooh. Giving it an eight. Okay, so Maddie's given it an eight and I've given it a seven. So she, the exact same scores that we gave our last murder mystery. Oh, I'm I'm such an overscorer, aren't I? It's embarrassing. No, 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 because there's only one point. There's only one point difference. Okay, so what's our one sentence about murder underground going to be? Good question. I think we need to put in there something about it being London-centric. Oh, nice. Okay. Or maybe even um, underground centric, like London Underground or Tube. Yeah. Okay. I, I quite like I quite like London centric. There's also okay. some yeah. descriptions of the sort of environs around mm. the station. Very nice. I'm never sure if that's how you say that word. Environ? I bought it. I bought it. You bought it. Okay. It's fun. Okay. So oh. I've actually written. I've written London centric. That's all yeah. <laughs> Walk away. Uh, London walk away. centric. <laughs> romp. I like the word romp in a, in a review. It, would you describe it as a romp? Oh, you're fine. <laughs> I, I would mean, have we done. can put. Okay, I'm putting romp. I can put. London centric romp. romp. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it makes it sound a bit more racy than, maybe. than it perhaps. We want was, to also but... maybe mention the names, the great names. Yeah, okay, so London centric romp with what about with very pleasing character names yeah okay we, we want a kind of like a little last phrase don't we to finish it off yeah so we've got london centric romp with, <laughs> with very pleasing character names and helpful visual aids <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay let's put that in helpful the section of the podcast that I have been <laughs> given responsibility for. We're calling it Percule Poirot for for the eagle-eyed or le- eagle-eared listeners. Well, obviously, <laughs> I'm a huge Poirot fan, and I had a dream of owning a cat <laughs> that would be called Percule, not like Hercule, but Per, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Poor Poirot. Yeah, which I was very excited about. Hannah was very pro- um, a pun, a pun for pun. your cat. I thought a pun for a, for a cat would be most pleasing. However, I then acquired two cats, and I just thought it would be a bit cruel, um, and I also thought it would be embarrassing when I went to the vets. So, oh, instead, really? Why you didn't didn't go? Well, yeah, because one would be called Percule, one would be called Poro, and if you don't know who they who Hercule is, it's. I mean, there's just so that just makes no sense. <laughs> I would suggest that most people get it. 
Well, that's a good point because I'll lead uh, leads on to. So instead, me and my partner had talked about if we ever got a cat, we'd have a cat called Hercule or Percule and a dog called Hastings. So we thought that was the right dynamic um, because Hastings is sort of well-meaning, very friendly, more so than Hercule, but at times rather slow um, and maybe a bit hapless. Yes, which is the perfect fit for a lab, which is what he would have wanted. Um, But instead we stumbled across these two cats. So firstly, I needed two names. Um, So I decided on Hercule and Hastings because of their personalities. It fits them perfectly. Uh, And when I took them to the vets, all but one person at the vet calls Hercule Hercules. Oh no, that's not the name. That's not the name. And every time they say it, I think, don't correct them. Don't be that, don't be that knob that corrects them. So I don't. Oh Uh, no, I think you have to. Oh, I don't know, because it doesn't matter, does it? (laughs) It does. Um, You named the cat Hercule. In honour yeah. of Hercule Poirot. The last time I took them, I've taken them a few times um, for like vaccinations and stuff. The last time I put, took them, I was standing outside the vets waiting for them to like bring them back out because you're not allowed in at the moment. Um, and there was these two children there with their own cats. And they said, oh, what are they called? What are your cats called? Because um, I'd seen them go in. And I said, Hercule and Hastings. And the only person at the vet that I hadn't spoken to by this point walked past and said Detective Hercule and Captain Hastings um, and said excellent names, very nice. So, Brilliant. Brilliant. Uh, I feel pretty, I felt vindicated, if I'm honest. Yeah, but. yeah, validation of excellent mystery, mystery name choices. case notes so the case that we're going to begin with is the unsolved case of the missing salmon so on saturday the 22nd of july 2017 <laughs> at brunel museum london on railway avenue se16 4lf at approximately 16:30, a salmon went missing. The salmon in question was a Marks and Spencer's poached dressed Scottish salmon Mm. serving six to eight people. That's detailed. That's more detailed than I thought you'd have at this point. Well done you. Yeah, yeah. Early investigation suggests that there were 95 possible suspects. When I say, I say name suspect because the event where the aforementioned salmon went missing was my wedding. So I've got 95 name suspects, but there are some additional suspects because there were also members of Chaps Choir who stayed after their performance who were not on the official guest list. Ooh. And there were some random people who just decided to look around the museum, even though it was closed. So they are also unnamed. So at this stage, I think we're looking at about 100. I thought in our next episode, I would interview the key witness to this event, which is going to be your good self. Yes. But today, I just wanted to get your opinion 
on this suspect list because obviously 100 plus that's a lot of suspects yeah do you think it is logical <laughs> to remove people who do not eat fish from well, the list i'm very glad you said that because my initial instinct was let's find out if there was anybody who said i mean i don't know if you collected this information from your guests <laughs> Um, dietary requirements, no sat, no fish. No, we didn't do dietary. <laughs> we didn't do dietary requirements, but I could find out that information. You could find out about most people. However, the problem I have with this theory is that I am the perfect example of one of these people. Now, I'm vegetarian because of environmental reasons. Mm-hmm. However, I love fish, and if it's sustainably <laughs> sourced fish or perhaps a special occasion, or I'm on holiday, <laughs> I will eat it. So, yeah, so, you, yeah, so if you're I was at a wedding, and indeed, if I was at a wedding and it looked like it might be some good quality fish, then I might have, I might have had some. Yeah, yeah. So what I'm thinking, here's what I might do. Well, after I've interviewed you as a key witness, I think my next stage is going to be to reach out <laughs> to all of the name suspects all of them yeah i mean it'd be really easy for me to do because i've got a list of all their email addresses yeah i know but oh, there must be people that you think are low-hanging fruit like nah it's not gonna be them no what? if if we read if we run <laughs> learn one thing from murder mysteries could be anyone. It, you know it could be anyone it could be the person who you like you i mean for example suspect. people that you invited to your wedding but you know they'd left they'd left yeah or you know they didn't arrive till later. Oh, yeah. No, I should have said that this initial 100 suspects are only the people who I know were there at that time. Oh, okay. So, yes, I suppose, I mean, that's just all I really wanted to do for the first case notes. Okay. So, I mean, the case, the case that we will be investigating is the fact that poached dressed Scottish salmon serves six to eight went missing at some point around 1630 on the 22nd of July 2017. Do I want to know, oh, sorry. where did it go and who took it? Where does it go? I'm actually more interested in the where did it go because if somebody took it, well, where did they put it? Because <laughs> it was about, the one thing that one thing that is missing from your kit, from your case notes, I think, is that it, they only had about a five minute window. Okay, no, no, but this was going to come up when I interviewed you. Oh, okay. I'll, I mean, I'll, I'll write it down that you think it was a five-minute window. Okay, okay. Well, I, I think maybe I'm going to close the case notes for today. Are um, you going to set yourself some, like, homework for next time, like, in preparation for next time? This yeah. This is what you want to establish from your key witness, i.e. me. I have a question as well. Do I approach the interview as if I am also a suspect? Well, all I'm going to say is every witness could also be a suspect. I know, but this is our podcast. I didn't know that I was going to be, <laughs> I was going no, to be interrogated on my own oh, podcast. No, you're not going to be interrogated. It's fine because I've done some homework on the best way to, to interrogate. <laughs> no, not to interrogate, to interview. I've actually, I've actually had Ooh. some professional advice on that. Right. Ooh, which I'll be using so that's what I'm going to do in my next case notes but then on the case notes after I'll maybe have some more information about the fish eating status of our guests nice okay yeah okay brilliant that's my case note
thank you for joining us for this episode of the unsolved case of the missing salmon hopefully it won't remain unsolved for that much longer with hannah on the case as you've heard so we've obviously had this episode murder underground by mavis doriel hay and we have had case notes relating to the aforementioned salmon as well as some updates from our feline sidekicks herculean hastings so join us next time for um some more of those next episode we will be reading portrait of a murderer by anne meredith for anybody who'd like to read along with us they are available on hive books hive.co.uk if you would like to support your local bookseller if anybody has anything they would like to ask us or contribute to our conversation around the books or even perhaps contribute to our investigation we have set up an email address for you to get in contact with us it is missing salmon case at gmail.com so that is spelt missing salmon case <laughs> c-a-s-e <laughs> so do get in touch with anything that you'd like to share with us anything to add han well the only other thing i was going to say is if anyone has their own case oh, they yes. would like us to investigate probably in future series then yes perhaps you like our style yeah <laughs> um perhaps you think we've just got something then let's know yeah email in yeah yeah some of the case at gmail.com yeah and we'll see you but, next time yeah so until next time au revoir <laughs> uh, the sign off is, is not great what is our sign off is it au revoir miss and me keep sleeping yeah, yeah. So exactly what Maddie said. Au revoir, Miss Annie. Keep sleeping. See you next time. <laughs>